Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Holy heartbeat! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. Welcome into your hump day edition of the Open Mic Podcast. Happy Wednesday. On the show today, we have comedian, actor, and performer Tommy Davidson. This is a fun interview, and you will enjoy this. He is one of the best. He's an icon. He has been in the industry for over three decades, if not longer. He has over 400 IMDb movie credits. He just does it all, and he is with us on the show today. Thank you, Tommy, for joining us. Welcome into the podcast. Podcast. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited. I have been looking forward to this for a long time, and I've been following you on social media and watching what you've been up to. But mm-hmm. uh, how how has quarantine life been for you? What has been occupying Woo! your time? <laughs> um, you know, all the regular stuff in life. You know, cleaning out the garage and you know just <laughs> trying to keep myself busy. You know, um, was doing a. a uh, little shows on the road here and there, but getting kind of bad out there. So with the COVID and everything, so I'm going to stay put here. I got a, plenty of creative work to do, scripts to write, producing shows, and, you know, just do doing what I do here. But watching a lot of good movies and making the best of it. Yeah, I, I saw you had taken a little bit of an adventure and gone out some. I, I have to mm-hmm. ask, because you're the first comic I've spoken to who's actually gone out and done something mm-hmm. during this crazy time. What was that mm-hmm. like for you? What, what, I mean, what were the crowds like? What were the responses? Was it different? Uh, you know, imagining that everything was so changed with crowds and who could come in and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, the responses were unbelievable. Um, the crowds were small, but it's, it's, it's still kind of weird because everybody is, you know, afraid to touch each other and keeping distance and stuff like that. So the, the shows were great, like always. It's just the vibe is, is, is weird, you know? Yeah, I, I can understand that. Like, I know part of the experience of going to a comedy club is piling everybody into a room that holds 250 people and everybody sitting next to each other and drinking and eating and feeding off of the vibe while you do the magic that you do on stage, which I find stand-up so fascinating. But I, I can imagine where people... Do you think people are ready to laugh like that again, or do you think it'll be? Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. This is the time. This is the time when people are at their best. This is where we need it. You know, this is where we're like doctors. Yeah, yeah, I would say so, mm-hmm. uh, especially like on social media and just kind of watching it. It's been great. You know, I'm certainly like everybody else, ready to kind of start back to normal life again, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully go out and start doing some interviews in person, which is what I'm used to doing. But it's been crazy. We've had to do everything. But uh, I'm glad that we have the technology, right, to be able to do it and uh, talk to some fantastic people. Well, you've done so many things in your career. And there's a lot of things that I want to cover. But I want to kind of go back to the time when you first started. What was that experience like for you? Was that something comedy that you kind of had set out to do that you wanted to do or was it something that 
you had seen and wanted to try it? Like, what was it that interested you the most? I wasn't interested in it at all. all. You know, a friend of mine, um, I got a job at a Ramada Inn as an assistant chef. You know, and this guy grew up with me. And I was so happy about this job. And he said, you're a stupid ass. Do I be doing comedy? I'd be out in Hollywood doing movies. You're so talented, this, that, and the other thing. He set me up with a show at a strip club in D.C., like the worst strip club ever. And, um, you know, the guy gives me five minutes and I, I look at my friend Howard and I go, what am I supposed to do? He said, I don't care what you do, just say something. And I swear, from the first thing I said, people laughed. And next thing you know, I'm on the phone with you. It, it happened that way. Now, yeah, you... Yeah, that something? And that's the real is. story. I, I believe it. You know, I find that the path that everybody takes is so unique and so different, <laughs> especially now with the time that we're in where there's all of these variety shows and talent shows that people can go on and and really just kind of become discovered instantly almost. And Mm -hmm. I like to ask folks myself like this who have been at this for several decades, do you feel like, and there's really not a right or wrong answer, I I would just love to Mm -hmm. hear your perspective, with shows like this where they go on and they perform and then they kind of get to stardom like almost overnight, do you feel like that they're missing out on the hustle and all of the hard work that has to be put in to really have a long-term sustainable career? Yeah, I would say, man, if you're, if you're, you got to be one hell of a natural to just start out good, you know? Like I, I was a natural, so I had a lot of raw talent and it sustained me through those beginnings, you know, just endeavored but once i had to start getting into you know an hour worth of comedy on stage and really learning how to be an actor and really learning how to do improv you know really dealing with this business learning how to read scripts all of that stuff that it encompasses you know i think that the the quick discovery is is um, an outgrowth of social media so you can get let's say you got seventeen thousand hits likes or whatever you can go and you can headline in the comedy club if you want but how long have you been at the clubs so when you get there, what is your experience like? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, there's there's no quick recipe for being a quality quality um, performer. I like that because it's almost like as you start out, like in the strip clubs and playing mm-hmm. in some of the worst places that you could imagine, that's almost like a badge of honor, right, to go to the next level to go to a club and maybe be a door person and then an opener is that kind of how the hierarchy from your perspective, just kind of learning the ropes and really earning the stripes to kind of get to where you are today? Yeah, and it's a different recipe for everyone. Some people can work that door at that club, move up and move up and move up. My recipe was play as many clubs as you can in one night and then show up to work the next day. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, yeah, I worked for three years at a regular job here in L.A. before I started doing Real stuff. But most of my time was spent in the evening doing nothing but stand-up. How many times a night would you try and perform your three or five four. Wow. In different parts of town. You would get in the car and just go from club to club to club Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. try and get as much time as you could. What point during all of that time you had gotten to a spot where you had achieved success and you knew that this was something that you would be doing literally for the rest of your life? About the third year out here in Hollywood. You know, when when I was able to make as much money doing stand-up as I would deli that I worked in, <laughs> I quit. That's the day I became a professional comic. I was getting like probably about 200 bucks a week, 295, maybe 300 bucks a week at the deli. And I started making about two or $300 a week doing stand-up. $35 here, $70 here, you know, $100 here. 
So, and that's the day. So then you were doing stand up. At what point were you, I want to maybe start moving into television? We all, obviously, everybody knows you from In Living Color, mm-hmm. but you've mm-hmm. done so many other fantastic pieces of work. What Thank was it? You. Yes, it's so true. Like, what part of television interested you to kind of go down that path? It was a master plan. It was a master plan. I laid it all, all out on, on paper. You know, what I wanted to be doing in the next 15 years, you know. 15 to 20 years. And I laid it all out. First it was stand-up, then it was to uh, TV, I mean a stand-up special, and then it was to do a major TV show, then it was to get into movies, then it was to get into directing and other stuff, books and stuff like that. That's the stage that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a concerted effort. Planning. Actually a planned strategy. Yeah. Went. Planning is key for anything. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, well, let me ask you this, and then we'll go mm-hmm. on. How do you define success? Like, outside of fame and and money i like to ask everybody this like what is tommy's definition of success like how, how do you define that as a person being able to make a decent living at something that you love to do and being um being a useful being a useful person out here in this world to others that's success to me you know and you know law-abiding tax-paying citizen and and who gives a shit about people you know yeah, that's that's that's, that's my that's my, my package. And I think that at least from my perception, because we've never met, we've never talked ever uh, and seen all of the different things that you have done, what we see maybe on television or in interviews is exactly what we get. Right. Like this is who you are. And I think that's maybe what has contributed to a lot of your success is the fact that you have that perspective. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was built. It was built over the years. Being a, being um, a parent, being a husband at times, you know, and going through the ups and downs. You know, going from from one job to another, learning new, learning how to do, learning how to do something new. I had to learn how to act. I had to learn how to do improv. You know, I had to learn how to play the play the straight man. You know, how to travel. So all of these experiences that, that culminated into into what I am, and I'm I'm just really happy that. I landed on me, you know. Oh boy, it took a lot to be me, you know. But I, I, I like me. Yeah, I really do. I do too, <laughs> and that's why <laughs> I, I really wanted to to work at getting you on my show because I think that, and I'm not just saying this to say it, but that term iconoclast comes to mind because you just kind of have it all, and you seem like you could just kind of do what you want. And so what? What drives you and motivates you to want to keep creating and doing these new projects, writing scripts, books? Like, what drives you to get up in the morning and keep going? I love it. I love it, and I always have. So anywhere from the Jackson 5 through, you know, Billy Jack and Papillon and on the waterfront or, or, or you know, the, uh, Andy Griffith's show or Scooby-Doo or Sesame Street. You know, I was born to be in this life that I am. And then the love of the craft, you know, the love of being able to take a script and, and, and take a line on a piece of paper and act it out as real or to write it, you know, and that goes for music. You know, that goes for, for my personal life as far as just, you know, researching my, my own moves in life and, and set, setting myself up for things that I would like to have. All encompassing. I get it. It makes perfect sense. Now, you mentioned parenthood and being a father and all of those fun things. I, I'm a father myself. My son just oh, turned. Nice. Yeah, my son just Another turned six. Yeah, so I'm I got a late start in life, but that's okay. And uh he just had his birthday this past weekend, and I wanted to ask you 
while your kids were growing up and, and watching you, you know, be on television, did they ever show an interest in kind of wanting to do what you do? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's all of that. Put a check mark between everything you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the relationship between me and my kids, taking care of them as far as like, you know, earning a living enough to feed them and, and, and then provide them with experiences that's going to help them grow into the person that, that, that I am. So that, that's been, it's been just having children has made my life even fuller. Example, I went to see my, my 23-year-old yesterday. I hadn't seen him in a while. We just, you know, and talked trash in his, in his room, caught up on him because he's gone from my son to a friend of mine too. And my, all my kids are like that. That's fantastic. And we're friends, too. I think mm-hmm. that's a great legacy that you can leave for your kids, right? And obviously, you've done that. Yeah. That's such a great story that you're able to just go connect with him and just have conversations. Yeah. Not necessarily have this situation where you just kind of, I don't know how else to explain it, where they just kind of earn their way, right? You help them when you can, but at the same time, mm-hmm. if they wanted to do stand-up, or act would help them to a degree, I would say, right? Kind of direct yeah. them in the way that they want to go. But none of them want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, my daughter, she's a, my daughter Jillian is a really, okay. you know, and, and my son Isaiah is a really good DJ. But the rest of them don't have anything to do with entertainment. Well, is that a good or a bad thing? <laughs> probably. Um, <laughs> I'd say, I'd, I'd say it's, it's probably a good thing for me. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, not to have to watch them, watch them go through what, what, you know? Sure. Yeah, I, I heard a story one time where Dana Carvey, when his sons decided that they wanted to do stand-up, you can do it. You Obviously, you have the name, but you will work your way up through the clubs, bomb, just like I did. For years before anybody knew who I was, and right, uh, now right. now they perform together, you know, so they open for him. Okay. But I love these stories because it just it's inspiring, I think, to me and to our listeners to know that there's this humanity about you that you you just want. I, I get the vibe that you want to see people be successful. What yeah. they do, yeah. And I have my days. Sure, I have my days when you know I go. Oh, I want to do that. You know, I want to do what that person did. You know, the good thing is not long lasting because it's one thing to want something. It's one thing to want something that somebody else has, but it's a whole nother thing to not want somebody to have something. And I haven't had that one happen to me. I, I'm, I've never been a person that didn't want somebody to have something. You know, I want what they had. You know what I mean? But sure. not wish that they didn't have it. Yeah, and I imagine that. I mean, this world that you're a part of is is so competitive, and you really have to set yourself apart from the next person mm-hmm. who might have something different or maybe the same opportunity, but it was taken further, perhaps. And yeah. you kind of got stopped. Not that that I don't think that ever happened, or at least that I know of, or what you've shared so far. But mm-hmm. you get the concept, right? Where it's just kind of like you're not like competitive on that level, where. You just don't want somebody to have an opportunity just for the sake of not having it. Say, I've probably been there before, <laughs> maybe a time or two, but it's, I guess, learning from those experiences, right? And pulling yourself out and going, what I'm supposed to have, and, and I yeah, have to be happy and with what that. What is for me is for me, you know? Mm hmm. That's some good, healthy thinking. You know? Yeah, yeah, because it helps I mean, you through the hard times, boy. It does, it does because I, I think back to. In Living Color, and let's see, I'm 46, so I'm trying to remember in my mind where that would have put me, uh, probably end of grade school, middle school, maybe. Yeah, yeah, if you're 45, you're 10 10 years 
10 years younger than me. So I would say that will put you about, you're 45 now, 30, 35. <laughs> Let's do the math together, my friend. Um, you're about 15. Yeah, 12, that's about 12, right. 12, 13, about 13, 14, 15. And so many people just garnered success from that television show. It was just something oh, man. unique. <laughs> you know, Someone's in the water. Yeah, looking back to that time when you met Keenan and mm-hmm. he offered you the opportunity to perhaps audition or, or be a part mm-hmm. of that show, did you in any way, maybe when you read scripts, that you knew mm-hmm. that this was lightning in a bottle and that it was unique for the time and there would probably never be anything like that ever again? I don't think there will be. No. You know, there there could be something similar, but it was one of those phenomenons like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know? Mm-hmm. The right people got together at the right time. Sure. And they caused this this revolution. You know, it's just like hip-hop. Like the right people got together at the right time, and hip-hop was born. Wow. And, yeah, into existence. I was watching some old episodes on YouTube before we chatted because all of the characters that you created, it was it was just so interesting and I don't know. I had read some rumors online. You know how it is where they're talking about reboot this or reboot that. And uh, I remember there being some sort of rumor about something like that again. And the Wayans were like, well, they can't, we're not going to be a part of it. Why can recreate something that was so successful at the time? It was something that was new. What is Tommy like at home? Do you find yourself being funny all the time, always on? Or are you just like, this is part of my life and I can turn it on and turn it off when I need to? Or what is... Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a part of me. I just love to laugh and to see things the way I see them. Uh It feels good. It feels good. It feels good to to make light of life. Sure. Or to be able to do that. To be able to be happy. To be able to be happy. The the fact that I notice sometimes that um, percentage-wise I'm a lot happier than people I run into. So, so yeah, I think that that's the key for me. I'm very self-entertained, too. <laughs> well, what do you find funny? What's funny to you? Like, what what do you find to be... What, what is your definition of humor? Something that you find... It's, it's hard to define, you know, like... Sure. Like dogs, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, little dogs are funny to me, and, and, and old black people are funny <laughs> to me. You know, I love... Uh, I love cartoons, you know, I love, I love, I love, I'm not really big on comedy movies, actually. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big documentary fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm big on learning things, and I'm always expanding my knowledge. So, it, I, I don't know, I just, I just got a creative hunger about life. It's not, let's turn on Netflix and see what the latest big screen or comedy is, or right. it's not like, oh, I have to go, I mean, I guess I've, I've heard it said, like, Comics watching other stand-ups do comic comedy is kind of like a brain surgeon going to a hospital and watching another brain surgeon right. do brain right. surgery right. Uh, in your free time because mm-hmm. you're like I think Dave Chappelle said that maybe in a little bit more entertaining way but uh, you know we I digress if you catch my drift you know he's like well I do mm-hmm. it better than he does so mm-hmm. why why would I want to watch him or her do the same thing you know. Uh, right. For me, it's just, it's just, I'm so absorbent. Sure. You know, I start to channel things. So, you know, I, I absorb information fast. So if I watch another comic, you know, I might end up regurgitating one of their thoughts. Really? In my act. Because I'm stealing it, but because I have sort of a mimicking nature mm-hmm. about 
about what I take in. Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to all that you do, impressions and all of that, I can imagine that just it's part of your brain is like a sponge and you're just kind of always taking in information and doing things. Just a couple more questions here as we wrap up. Okay. When it comes to writing and preparing, whether it's a script or whatever, what is your approach to writing and kind of taking the joke from an idea to a premise to putting it on paper and in front of a crowd? My process is different. I start on the stage first and I let whatever happened happen. And then what happens, I go back and then write it down. And then I start developing it. I go from a muse, you know, from, from a canvas let it all hang loose. And then what happens is stuff starts on stage. And I go, that was good. That was a great idea. Let me list that down. Let me list that down. Oh, that was good too. And then I start to build my act that way. Whereas a lot of comics write a joke and then they go up and test it out. You know, I get up there and I perform, you know, have the experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's more of just going up there and starting to to riff or whatever or you probably have an idea in your head and you start talking about a subject or whatever and then i guess it's like whatever you throw to the wall and it sticks then that's like writing something down and then performing it uh which i think is great because you really know then at that point like if it's truly funny and it might be funny in your head or funny to your wife or to your (laughs) friends But when you go to perform it and then it lands like a lead balloon, <laughs> maybe right. I uh, I shouldn't have written this down and just done it the other direction. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Sometimes it's, it's 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 taking an original idea that's funny and keeping it funny. You know, keeping it keeping it fresh and keeping it new and really committing the idea and committing to adding on to it. You know, adding mm-hmm. on to the idea. Yeah, I, I think that's we're getting fantastic. into advanced stand up. <laughs> Advanced stand up one on one right now. I love it. I I I just find it so interesting, you know, because like when I go to a show and I watch you or somebody perform and you're up there for an hour, it just it seems so effortless to me, at least from my perspective. That would be like me watching a basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't get up there and do it, you know, no chance. Like you know, uh, I don't have the courage to, to do that the hours oh, and yeah. the months, you know, or years maybe even to get up and perform for an hour. Uh, that's a really mm-hmm. long time. Uh, it, and... could, it can be. <laughs> right? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. you could tell some more stories about uh, getting up there and just you think it's funny in your head. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oops, well, this isn't going to work. And right. uh, it gets uncomfortable very fast, I'm sure. Crazy times, crazy times. Well, and that's, and that, that's whether you have the experience or not. Yeah, exactly. It's the nature of, 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 of stand up. You have people from different walks of life and varied experiences, different cultures, and you got to make them laugh all at the same time performing brain surgery or rocket science how you can get up there and just tell a joke or a story and to know that every piece of that that comes out of your mouth is calculated and thought through maybe even down to the pauses or the ums sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're out there doing it it has proven very well for you sir um thank you man this is a gracious interview yeah, well, that's what you get with me, my friend. I, I I'm all about I learning, all about you, and and just kind of getting to know you a little bit more, other than my 
relationship with you on the big screen or now the mm-hmm. small screen. There was one piece of advice that you could give your younger self that you wish somebody would have given you. What mm-hmm. what would that possibly be? It would probably be work on work on what you see that you want instead of looking at the result of it. You know, I, 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 I can only say that, you know, how, how can I simplify that? If there's something that I have to do that I see somebody else doing, then commit to learning how to do it as opposed to watching and going, I wish I could do that. The work, the actual work that it takes to do what you see already done. Reverse engineering it, mm-hmm. looking at your life and understanding mm-hmm. how you got to where you are, right? I mean, given time frames right. and experiences are different, obviously, but mm-hmm. the idea or the concept not really that much different, right? Like as far as right. kind of... Right, example. If I see a jazz, like there's a, a jazz saxophonist, but in between his songs, he's able to do like just talking to the people. I stand up, it's just straight relating to a big group of people, you know? And that's something that, 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 that I see and I'm still working on. And get up there and go, hey, what's up guys? You, have, you know, who here likes basketball or whatever like that? But they go, hey, so how's everybody feeling tonight? Good. You know, things are a little rough out here. You know, this next song... I thought of it because of this and that and take real experiences and communicate those to an audience. In other words, it's not based on laugh. It's based on, 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 on interest. Sure. On piquing people's interest or, or allowing people to be interested in what you're saying and what you're sharing. Yeah, yeah. I think that is accurate, you know, and just really being present. I think our conversation is really the overarching theme to all of this whether it's Mm -hmm. your career or your family and just caring about people. And there's, there's a lot of talented people out there, but I think the hard workers with the talent often probably surpass maybe just the talented people, you know, and you started from nothing and have developed this life that you can have for your family. And uh, we get the benefit of it, you know, from whatever the medium is. Giving me the good stuff today. I really do mean it. Like it's. It was when I asked to have you, and I found mm-hmm. out that you agreed. I was like everybody else <laughs> that I that I've talked to recently. It was like those were fun interviews, <laughs> and nothing mm-hmm. against any of them. But you know, so if you're listening, uh, you know, it's just it's just different levels, right? You know, it's just kind of the experiences are all different, and uh, yeah, that's what it comes down to. If people exactly. if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, what what are your socials, Tommy, and, and how can they do that? Um, the real Tommy Cat is my IG. I'm rarely on um, Facebook. Sure. But you can go through there through my name. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely on Twitter. So uh, it would be my IG. And then there's TommyDavidson.net, which has all of my schedule. Everything that you want to see about me and where I, where I am and videos and you know movie clips and you know, pictures, biography, and all that stuff. And if you're listening and you haven't watched In Living Color at all, you need to check it out. Yeah, then what planet were you on? What planet were you on? That's the first question. You heard it from (laughs) the man himself. Uh, You weren't born yet. (laughs) You weren't born yet. Or if you haven't seen Martin, uh, the Apollo, Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just go Mm -hmm. on and on. But uh, now you can get back to producing and writing and cleaning the garage, right, until... Uh, the, yeah. the, honey, the honeydew list and back out on the road. <laughs> That's right. You said that exact. You said that exact. Right. We know who runs the show for sure. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I've learned that. <laughs> Even though I, you know, I don't always like it, but 
but it's good for me. Well, they say a happy wife is a happy life, right? So there's probably more uh-huh. to that, but I think the overarching <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Well, Tommy, <laughs> thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for a great interview. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment.